You are listening to a message from ICS Church. For more information about ICS Church, please visit us online at ics.church or like us on facebook.com slash ICSChurch. Everybody say amen. 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 That's a bit delayed, but uh, we made it anyway. We made it anyway. Hey, good morning, everyone. My name is Chad. I'm one of the pastors here, and uh, always, always, always a joy to have you with us. We do want to let you know, aside from that video prayer, that's not the only prayer I hope you guys are making for the Philippines. I hope that's not the only one. Um, and I hope throughout this week, beginning today, all the way to election day, we would continue to saturate the heavens in prayer and ask the Lord to lead us. And so to help us as a church, we actually want to encourage us, begin in prayer. Um, some of you already saw the little uh, sign on this board when you came in. We would love for you to pick up one of these prayer notes write down your prayer for the Philippines and paste it on the board outside before you leave, whether you're a Filipino or not. We would love just for you to come and join us in praying for our nation. Filipinos will be uh, electing national and local leaders on May 9, and uh, we want to ensure that God leads us, especially the church, uh, to be able to vote according to God's purposes and uh, see him lead us in the next couple of years. But uh, we know that salvation doesn't come from politicians, right? Hope doesn't come from politicians. We're grateful for their leadership, but ultimately we understand that Jesus and God is the one that we need to lead us in every season wherever we are. Couple of things before I get into the word today. Number one, how many guys appreciate the fact that you brought a jacket today? See, last week, I was the only one brave enough to wear a jacket, and that was a jacket by faith. <laughs> so today, if you brought one, I'm glad you did. It is a little cooler than usual, and next week is probably gonna be colder, like Pastor Sam said. So we do encourage you to please, you know, if you're not a fan of uh, cold places and environments, just bring a jacket with you uh, to stay warm. Otherwise, you know, just uh, take, a, take a break, go out to the foyer and come back in if you're feeling a little bit cold um, in the room today. But we're grateful for the provision of, again, the new air conditioning units. We have one more that is to be installed this week. Um, some of the units we have repositioned to other places in the building. Others we're going to say goodbye to because uh, they've officially died on us. Um, one thing we did discover, though, as these uh, new units were being installed, uh, the, uh, as good stewards, we always want to use most of what we have. But we realized the electrical cables that we were hoping to use were insufficient to provide electricity to the new units. They were overheating and um, tripping our circuit breakers. So we've had to upgrade our electrical cables and because of that, this was beyond the budget that we set. So we wanna give you an opportunity to again, be part of this 
And if the Lord leads you to give towards the air conditioning unit, we're needing about 200,000 pesos uh, to upgrade all of our electrical cables so that uh, we can maintain these ACs and we don't end up burning our building down. That's important. That's important. So if the Lord leads you to do that as you give uh, your tithes and offerings. If you're led to designate love gifts, just write it on the envelope that's available at the back, right there, aircon, and uh, that will go towards uh, the upgrades of the remaining budget that is needed. Secondly, did you know that today is Sign Language Interpreters Appreciation Day? Yes, it is. Yes, it is. So here at ICS Church, we have a deaf community. They actually meet right now. They're over there at the back. So if you can see, uh, they're over there at the back. And uh, Brother Joel is one of our translators. Tita Emmy is one of our translators as well. Uh, they have their own ministry that is also led by Pastors Romel and Pastor Bernadette, uh, who lead our deaf church. And so uh, they're there at the back as well. And so today we just want to appreciate them. So for those of you who don't know, to show appreciation or to clap your hands, you have to put your hand above and then shake your hands like this. That's the way to show appreciation. So we want to say thank you uh, for them today and want to show appreciation to each one uh, ministering. This past week, those of you who prayed for our Assemblies of God convention, thank you for doing that. And we want to give you a quick update. We were able to elect a new set of leaders uh, to lead uh, our movement throughout the Philippines. Uh, Pastor Ray Kalusai was re-elected as our general superintendent. Dr. Fidel Monzon is the newly elected uh, assistant general superintendent. Um, Pastor, yeah, yeah, we can applaud that, right? Pastor uh, Alex Fuentes, our former associate pastor here at ICS, was re-elected as the general secretary. And uh, the newly elected treasurer is Pastor Edgar Salcedo. So we praise God for a successful week-long convention. It was all online, and uh, we're grateful because you guys prayed, we prayed. This is part of the network of churches and ministries that we are part of throughout the Philippines, 4,000 churches in the Philippines, 70,000, sorry, 70 million members around the world, more than 340,000 churches around the world, almost in every nation. And we're grateful that God is continuing to use the assemblies of God uh, to fulfill the great commission until Jesus returns. So thank you for praying and uh, continuing to uphold our movement in this season. So again, I don't know if I said it already earlier, but my name is Chad, just to be sure. For those who are guests here, uh, we're glad that you've come uh, to be with us today. Last week we started a series called City on a Hill. City on a Hill. This was part two of this series. And if you're taking notes, just uh, you can write down affect change where you are. Affect change where you are. You know, sometimes if you're not set up correctly, everything that you do after that setup can either, uh, it will be a disaster. It will be a disaster. I remember when I was a kid, I liked to make block houses or block buildings. And since, you know, it's, I think it's still summer in the Philippines. I mean, it's still pretty hot outside. If you go to the beach, one of the popular activities on the beach is what? Building sand 
Castles, exactly. And you know, everybody has different techniques on how to build sand castles. But one thing I realized is if you don't have a very strong and sturdy foundation, that sand castle isn't gonna last very long. It's not gonna last very long. So one thing I learned was to build a strong foundation. You know, we'd have competitions in youth camps, summer youth camps. And um, one thing we found out, because they would test it, right? There would be a testing to see if it would stand. We spent a lot of time in building a foundation. So instead of just putting sand as a foundation, we would put rocks in the foundation and really build rocks high. And above that rock, pour sand into it, compact it, put a bit of water, make sure that it's steady enough so it kind of feels like cement. And once that foundation is built, then you start to build the more maybe nicely looking stuff on top. That will be your sandcastle. So one thing I remembered, we were in El Capitan in Batangas. This is in youth, when I was still youth here at ICS Church. And we built this. It was awesome because they tried to destroy it by pouring water on it. All of our other groups were in comp competition with their sandcastles pretty much broke down. But because we had spent time to build a foundation, it wasn't the best looking one, but the moment you pour water on it, it didn't easily break away. The top was a bit destroyed, but the foundation stayed strong. And that's true in a lot of situations. If we don't have a proper setup, if we don't establish our foundation clearly enough, or in the proper and right foundation, when we're faced with choices, challenging our faith, challenging our belief in how we follow Jesus Christ, we can easily be swayed away. We can easily be taken by the tide of whatever's popular or sometimes even our feelings themselves. And so it's important that we learn to have that right kind of setup, that right kind of foundation. Because when we have that foundation in place, you know what's gonna happen? Whatever comes to us, in whatever season of life, whether there's a pandemic or not, whether it is the government that we voted for or the government that we didn't vote for is in place. If we get challenged at work because of our faith or you know, when we experience all kinds of testings and trials, we will be able to make our choices with clarity, courage, because our convictions are established in the right kind of foundation. And that's what we want to learn today. Because all of us face changes and challenges all the time. Some of you are actually going to be making a, a decision a few, a few minutes from now. You're going to decide whether you're going to order a particular food in the restaurant or not. Right? Your convictions are going to dictate that. You're going to be deciding what form of entertainment you're going to watch, listen to, and allow to speak into your life, and what form of entertainment you're going to reject. All of this are based on foundations and our convictions. Today, I want to share with you three ways that can affect forming our convictions that can cause us to affect the environment that we're in. Last week we said that Jesus said that we are salt and light. Salt brings life, preserves life, and affects change in its environment. Light illuminates dark places. 
And it's important that we have clarity in terms of our decision-making process so that that actually happens when it needs to happen. The big idea is this, our convictions help us make choices with clarity and courage. Our convictions help us make choices with clarity and courage. Choices are not always easy. Can you agree with me on that? It's not always easy making choices. You know, sometimes when uh, there's really good food in front of you and you know you're already full, but the food is just so good and you feel like, man, I just want to eat some more. Right? <laughs> you're being enticed to take some more, especially if it's boneless pork belly with crackling all around with a nice pinakurutan uh, dip, right? You're already full, but you're like, man, I've got to make a choice. Do I keep eating or do I stop eating? You know, one of, the, one of the convictions that you have is, you know what, I'm just going to live for now. I'm going to enjoy now because if I don't do this now, I may miss out. I mean, that's, that's a conviction that some people have, right? Some people, their convictions are, you know what, I still want to grow old with my wife. I want to be a grandparent to see my grandkids. And so that becomes the core conviction and they say, okay, I, I, I'm going to stop right now. I'm going to stop eating because, you know, my blood pressure, diabetes, I mean, I've got that in my family and I should probably make those wise choices now. So whatever is in your core conviction actually helps you make that decision. It's not a right or wrong thing, right? It's food. But your car convictions help you decide what you should do. There are some things that we need to do in terms of daily choices, and there are some things that we have to face that are a bit more difficult, especially when our faith is being tested. When we're faced with something and we know that if we do it, succumb to it, go in that direction, it would cause us to sin. What would you do? So we're gonna learn three steps, three things from the Old Testament that will enable us, it actually helped these individuals do what they needed to do, and it allowed them to affect a change, not just in their own life, but in the immediate surrounding they were in, and an entire empire was transformed because of it. We're gonna to go to the book of Daniel. Daniel lived in the Old Testament times, and he's considered a prophet. But he lived in a time when Judah and Israel was a divided kingdom, it was no longer the strong, feared kingdom that was once led by David or Solomon. Because of idolatry and disobedience to God, Israel became a divided kingdom. There was now the kingdom of Judah and the kingdom of Israel led by two different Jewish leaders. They weren't strong enough to fight off the invading armies and because of their disobedience and idolatry, God's blessing had been lifted. God's protection had been lifted out of them. And here in Daniel chapter 1, we're going to read the entire chapter. We don't usually do this, but I want to take time to read the entire chapter so we can understand the background of what's going on and really see the foundations that these young men were setting themselves up in that would set the trajectory towards the kind of life that they would live as foreigners in this new kingdom. Daniel chapter 1, 
It says here, in the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. Babylon was now the new superpower in the Middle East. And they were just taking over all of these smaller and weaker nations all around. Judah just happened to be one of them. And so when Nebuchadnezzar came knocking, there's nothing that they could do. Nebuchadnezzar came, and in verse 2 says, And the Lord delivered Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand, along with some of the articles from the temple of God. These he carried off to the temple of his God in Babylonia and put in the treasure house of his God, small g. Then the king ordered Ashpenaz, chief of his court officials, to bring into the king's service some of the Israelites from the royal family and the nobility. Young men without any physical defect, handsome, showing aptitude for every kind of learning, well-informed, quick to understand, and qualified to serve in the king's palace. He was to teach them the language and literature of the Babylonians. The king assigned them a daily amount of food and wine from the king's table. They were there to be trained for three years, and after that, they were to enter the king's service. So here it was. Judah was just there sitting, and uh, an occupying nation comes, takes over. They don't have a choice. They either surrender arms or they end up dying. So those who end up surrendering all the treasures of Israel, of Judah, are brought to Babylon. And it's not just the treasures. What did you else see here? It's also the people. And it's not just your ordinary people. There was a specific request from the king. He said, I want you to look for the best of the best. It's not enough to look for the best of the best. I want you to look for those with noble blood, with royal blood. It's not enough that they were royal blood. He said, I want you to look for those who are good looking, Pastor Sam, right? I want to look for people who are like that. I want to look for people who are good looking. Not just that. I want to look for people who have good aptitude, people who can learn things, people who are smart, highly skilled. What does that remind you of? All of these qualities that we hear um, Babylon wanting, it's, it's just like a job interview, right? It's like how the world functions today. Who does the world like? Hey, what's your family background like? Oh, really? You're from that family? Hey, I want you in my company. I want you in my team, right? Who are the people who seems in the world, if you're good looking, you automatically attract attention. Yeah, I want to get to know this person, you know? And what do you say? Oh, yeah. you, you could be a, an entertainer. You could be a politician. You could be rich because of looks. You're highly skilled. Yep, that's what I want. And it's ironic because sometimes, you know, when, when you try to apply for a job, right? In some places, they would say, we only want to consider those with work experience. But what if you just graduated from college? You're automatically disqualified. And you say, how can I apply for a job if you need somebody with work experience? Where am I supposed to get that unless you give me an opportunity to start working? You know what I mean? And so in some cases, you look at the qualities and we're like, man, who's even going to qualify for this? And the first part, royal blood, probably not. But aren't you the son of the most high God? Well, yeah, okay. But we're talking about literal blood here, biological blood. 
And if we look at that, I'm like, as far as I know, no, we, we don't have that. I mean, unless there's a secret in the family somewhere that I don't know about. As far as I know, no. What about those who are good looking? I think Pastor Sam and I may pass, maybe. Just a bit, maybe GJ can come along as well. Highly skilled, I think we're okay. We're okay with that, you know, we, we can learn a couple of things, we can do that. But if you look at the qualities, I'm like, man, would I even pass? Would I be, even be considered as one of those? But that's exactly what the empire of Babylon was looking for. And in the world that we live in today, it seems in the world, this is what the world tries to look for. If you don't have the right pedigree, the right background, the right family name, if you don't have the right looks, then we don't want you. Then you're rejected. It continues on in verse 6. Among those who were chosen, good thing, there were some in Israel, in Judah, who apparently were qualified. Among those who were chosen were some from Judah. Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. The chief official gave them new names. To Daniel, the name Belshazzar. To Hananiah, Shadrach, Mishael, Meshach, Azariah, Abednego. Scholars say they were probably trying to wean out their original identity. So they were trying to give them new names, Babylonian names, because they were trying to make them forget their Israel or Hebrew lineage. But Daniel, verse 8 says, resolve not to defile himself with the royal food and wine. And he asked the chief official for permission not to defile himself this way. Now God, caused the official to show favor and compassion to Daniel. But the official told Daniel, I'm afraid if my lord, the king, Nebuchadnezzar, who has assigned your food and drink, why should he see you looking worse than the other young men your age? The king would then have my head because of you. If I don't do what the king is telling me to do, and if you don't do what the king is commanding, it's not your head, it's my head. I'm the one that's going to be in trouble. So Daniel continues in verse 11. He says, Daniel then said to the guard with whom the chief official had appointed over the three of the friends. Verse 12, please test your servants for 10 days. Give us nothing but vegetables to eat and water to drink. How many guys love vegetables? Go to a, a farm over in Tanai. You can buy some vegetables there, right? <laughs> then compare our appearance with that of young men who eat the royal food and treat your servants in accordance with what you see. So he agreed to this and tested them for 10 days. Now, I don't know about you. I'm not a big fan of vegetables. No, I, I'm a meat eater. But I also understand that you do need vegetables to stay healthy, right? Balanced diet. You learn it over time. But I'm thinking, man, he is rejecting the food that the king himself eats. And if you try to think of it, what do they offer the king? Probably anything and everything, all the best foods there is. Like if you had like Michelin star chefs, you know, they would all be under the service of the king preparing the best kinds of food. And Daniel was saying, no, 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 we're actually not gonna eat that. Um, even though it's like a five-star Michelin rating online, we're not gonna eat it. Instead, we're just going to go with greens, just vegetables. <laughs> That's all 
we're gonna have. It doesn't make sense. Maybe you're thinking, well, actually, it's a good thing now, you know? If you are a vegan or a vegetarian, that's in these days, right? Because we're all about health, and that's a good thing. I don't think Daniel was even thinking about health. I don't think he read an, an article online that said, you know what, if you eat these kinds of food, then uh, you'll be healthy and strong. I don't think that was his reason. But he was saying, you know what? I just want to eat vegetables. And my friends just want to eat vegetables. And if it's okay with you, that's what we want to do. These are deeply held convictions. Why? Because he's directly going against the king's command. And if you go against the king's command, just like the servant says, you're dead. You're dead. This is absolute kingship. This is absolute power. You cannot say no to the king. Saying no means death. That's what it meant for Babylon. So surprisingly, the servant agrees. Verse 15 says, at the end of 10 days, what happened? They looked healthier. See, the servant was afraid that they would look weaker. They wouldn't be healthier. But at the end of 10 days, it says they look healthier and better nourished than any of the young men who ate the royal food, yea, for vegetables. Right? Go team vegetables. So the guard took away their choice food and the wine they were to drink and gave them vegetables instead. To these four young men, God gave knowledge and understanding of all kinds of literature and learning. And Daniel could understand visions and dreams of all kinds. At the end of the time set by the king to bring them into his service, the chief official presented them to Nebuchadnezzar. Do you remember how long the preparation was? They said it in the beginning. It was three years. So this is three years of learning all about Babylon, their language, their culture, their rules and regulations. After three years, those who passed were presented to the king. It says here in verse 20, in every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king questioned them, he found them 10 times better than all the magicians and enchanters in the whole kingdom. And Daniel remained there until the first year of King Cyrus. That's pretty impressive. And this is just the introduction to the entire book. Those of you who've been Christians for a while, you know what happens to the rest of the story. Those of you who may not be familiar, we're going to revisit some of these things that took place. But, you know, that little phrase towards the end, it says there, Daniel remained there until the first year of King Cyrus. Do you remember who the king was right now? Nebuchadnezzar. He's a Babylonian. But it says there, he was there until King Cyrus. So quick overview. What would happen after this? Yes, he would serve Nebuchadnezzar for several years, but after Nebuchadnezzar's time, he would die and his son would come into power, Belshazzar. Daniel would go on to serve Belshazzar for several more years. But because of his disobedience and pride and arrogance, right, another nation would come and take over. 
the Medo-Persian Empire would become the next superpower. You know what, who, who was still there? Daniel was still there, and he would end up serving Darius, the Persian king. And because God wasn't finished with him yet, he was about 80 years old by that time, after Darius' reign ends, the Persian king, the king who would follow after him, Cyrus, would come in. And that's where he's mentioned. He ended up serving how many kings? Not one, not two, four kings. And he ends up serving two different superpowers throughout his lifetime. He wasn't even Babylonian. He's not even Persian. He's a slave. He was a nation that was overpowered and overcome. But in his lifetime, he would affect the destiny of these nations and these empires, making these kings acknowledge Jehovah God. And I believe all because it was very clear to him from the very beginning, young as they were, they clearly established their foundations. They knew who they were for. They knew that despite of the fact that there was a larger, bigger, scarier empire that was overpowering and that was now ruling over them. Their obligation, first of all, was not to this king, but to the king of kings, which was Jehovah God. And I believe it was because of that conviction that God allowed them to experience his favor and his blessing not just under one king, but under four different foreign kings. They were the minority. They weren't even the majority. But how many know that when God moves and uses you, even if there's just one of you, God can change the entire situation for his favor, using you for his glory. So the question today is, how did that happen? And is this still possible today? Do you believe that God can use you to change the situation in your homes? Do you believe that God can use you to shift the situation in your workplace for his glory? What about this? Do you believe that God can use you to change the situation throughout the Philippines in our nation? You guys don't sound convinced. Do you believe that God can use you to shift the nation for his glory? I'm getting there. I, I, you, you, you're sounding a bit more convinced. But hopefully at the end of this message, you would know that, that this is God's word for you. Remember what Jesus said last week? You are the salt of the earth. Maybe you're still not convinced. Maybe you're still not convinced that as a salt of the earth, you have been sent here by Jesus to be life preservers, to bring life, to prevent decay, to prevent destruction. Jesus said, you're the light of the world. Maybe you're still not convinced that you're here to illuminate darkness. That's our purpose. Daniel and his friends apparently, I mean, they weren't, they weren't intentionally doing that. But because of their foundations, God used them to be light, to be salt in a dark Babylonian, Medo-Persian empire. 
They were pagan. These were people who believed in child sacrifices. These were people who believed in, you know what? I mean, other, other nationalities are to be subdued and enslaved because we're better than anybody else. They weren't for equality. No, they were for total destruction, annihilation, and take over. But even that reputation, Daniel was willing to say, you know what? There's a God that I serve. And my fear of him is greater than my fear of you. And because of that, this allowed him to grow out of that conviction. What happened to him? What did they do that caused him to shift and change the trajectory of these nations? The first thing that we find here is they built their convictions on truth. So the question for today is, are your convictions built on truth? What are your convictions based on? What do you mean? What do you mean, Chad? What convictions? When we talk about just choosing entertainment, choosing a particular lifestyle, what are your convictions? Choosing your identity, what determines those choices that you make in everyday life? Daniel was convinced that God was the one true God. Like Moses said, I am who I am. And Daniel said in verse 8, we will choose not to defile ourselves. What do you mean? Because eating the food that was offered to the king was against their belief and instruction from the Old Testament. If there were food that was offered to idols, if there was food that you know, had blood in it and had meat in it, that was against the Jewish belief. They had to follow the Levitical diet. And in the Levitical diet, these were the only kinds of food that we were permitted to eat. Because the moment we eat that food, we have committed sin against our God. This is how strong his convictions were. It wasn't, you know what, we just want to eat vegetables because vegetables are healthier for you because we're going to look better after 10 days if we eat vegetables. You know, some of us are making those choices and not against that. We should choose health. Yes, we should. But more than that, we should choose God. They chose to honor God, his standards of righteousness, his standards of holiness, his standards for making everyday choices. So when he said, you know, we cannot eat that, he wasn't rebelling against this king. He wasn't protesting against this king. He was simply sharing his convictions to the servant. He was saying, I can't do this. Because if you make me eat this, I would defile myself against my God. You would cause me to sin against my God. Do we ever ask ourselves that kind of question? Before we engage in a particular activity and we think nobody else is here anyway, nobody can see it, right? It's just going to be me. See, if your, your foundations, your convictions are not based on the reality, the truth, the righteousness, and the holiness of God, we can easily be swayed by what we see, right? The lust of the flesh, eyes, pride of life. These things can easily sway us. If our convictions are not founded in God, in His Word, in who Jesus is, we're easily going to be taken by our friends' opinions. 
What if it's your loved one? They ask you to do something, engage in something that you know is sinful, is not right, but because you love them. Well, you know what? What's going to give in? I pray that today our foundations would be established in truth. And truth is not a set of ideas or propositions. You know what truth is? Truth is a person. Truth is a person, and his name is Jesus. He said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am life. We need to set our standards based on how Jesus lived, what he taught, what he commanded us to do. Anything else apart from that will not stand. This is the reason why so many times somebody who professes to be a Christian, right? You know them to be a Christian. We're just going to hear a sad news about them. If they're prominent, it becomes headline news. But if they're unknown, it's just like through the grapevine and you're, you're saddened. I thought they were a Christian. And it's sad the moment we start to shift our foundations aside from Jesus Christ to other things. If we make our feelings, our emotions a foundation, if we make what is popular opinion our foundation, those things cannot sustain us when we're confronted with moral issues. But as young as he was, Daniel and his friends chose. There was no benefits. They didn't know what was going to happen. But they said, we choose to honor God. We're going to allow our convictions to be established on truth, and that is Jehovah God. And as Christians, that needs to be Jesus, His Word, what He has said. When we do this, it doesn't matter if the seasons change. It doesn't matter if the government that we choose to be elected gets elected or not. Will that change the way that we do life? I hope not. It doesn't matter if your life will be threatened. And you know, that's exactly what happened to Daniel. Their lives were threatened. Three kings later, King Darius, the Persian king, comes into play. And people who were jealous of Daniel, because Daniel was getting promoted. Daniel had the ear of the king. His opinion mattered because he had the gift of dream interpretation. There were wise advisors to the kings. And you know, when we start getting promoted by God, people around you will start to get jealous, right? People around you will start to get envious. And there were some who were envious of Daniel. So they schemed against him. They saw how faithful he was to Jehovah God. Three times a day, he would pray in the direction of Jerusalem. And so they trapped him. They convinced the king, king, wouldn't it be nice if uh, the trumpet would sound and everybody in your whole empire would bow down and worship your idol, your image, your statue. That would be so good. And of course, they played to the ego of the king or the boss. And the king says, yeah, that sounds like a good idea. Let's do that. Let's make it a law. And the king's law cannot be broken. And sure enough, when the trumpet sounded, everybody, if you want to live, you better bow down. And they bowed down. But it says this in the Torah that Daniel did what he always did. Even when the trumpet sounded, he just did what he always did. He bowed in prayer towards Jerusalem. Because that's where the temple was. That's where the Ark of the Covenant was, the symbol of God's presence. 
And the schemers, the jealous workers said, hey, look, king, this guy that you like so much, this guy that you trust so much, he's not even honoring your law. And Daniel has to suffer the consequences. The king says here, tells us Darius is heartbroken because he loves Daniel. He honors Daniel. He reveres Daniel. But he says, I cannot break my own law. And so he ends up getting thrown into the den of lions. You know, sometimes when we're faced with the hardest things, here's the truth. When we honor God, God honors us. And God, what does God do? He decides, I'm going to shut up the mouth of the lions. I'm going to decide right now that Daniel's not going to die. It's not the day of his death. <laughs> not yet. The next day, the king comes and he says, Daniel, are you still alive? Because he's worried. Daniel responds, yep, I'm still here. He is dumbfounded. And because of this, he commands those who schemed against Daniel to instead be thrown into the lion's den. And he tells us here, these were not vegetarian lions. Because even before they touched the ground, it says here they, were, they died because the lions broke every bone in their bodies. So it's like if you say, you know, maybe they weren't hungry. No, they were. But for whatever reason, supernaturally, God shut their mouths. The enemies instead suffer the consequences. And Darius declares, you know what? There is no God like Daniel's God. We are now going to worship him. Nebuchadnezzar did the same thing because only he could interpret his dream. Nebuchadnezzar declared the same thing. We're not going to worship Daniel's God. These two kings declared to the entire empire, yes, these guys are slaves. Yes, these guys are not even Babylonians or Persians, but their God is real. Their God is mighty. Their God is greater than me. And we're going to worship this God. Why was Daniel bold enough to do that? Because when he was young, he already determined not to defile himself. He resolved not to defile himself. He resolved that my foundations are going to be Jehovah God. Truth will be in him. And regardless whether I'm young or I'm old, he was 80 years old when he was thrown in the lion's den. He was 80. He had not changed. In fact, I'd probably say that his convictions became stronger at that point. Secondly, one of the things that we find here, if we're going to affect change where we are, we need to learn to honor people. We need to learn to honor people. Daniel did this. You go back to that whole chapter that we read. Again, he has no idea of what is yet to come. But you can tell that his demeanor seems to be a lot like Jesus. Daniel, here's the food. You and your friends need to eat all of this. And what does Daniel do? No, we will not eat this. Those who eat this are going to hell. You're going to hell. You're a pagan nation. You don't deserve Jehovah God. All of you are going to hell. <laughs> Is that what he did? Now, sometimes that's what Christians are known for, right? A lot of times Christians are known for what we are against than what we are for. But here Daniel honors the servant. He says, you know, I can't do this. He honors him based on his role as the representative of the king. And he has a conversation with him. He says, um, I can't do this because I'm going to defile 
myself if I do this? And I know your intention is good. And what does, what does the king's representative say? You know what? If you don't eat this and you look worse than everybody else, it's not your head. It's going to be my head first. I'm the one that's going to die first. And what does Daniel do? He says, well, then good luck. No, he doesn't do that. He shows concern. He honors the servant. He says, okay, here's what we're going to do. Give us the food we're asking for, just vegetables, and in 10 days, all right? Can you give me 10 days? Give us 10 days, and let's see what happens after 10 days. And if you're not happy with what you see, you can do whatever you want. It sounds reasonable, right? Do you see any ounce of arrogance in his voice? No, in the translation, he even uses the word police. Sometimes Christians don't know how to do that. Sometimes there are Christians who are just like, yeah, you know, I'm in the right. I'm a son of God. I'm a son of the most high God. And it's like, okay. Well, what does that mean? How, how does that translate to people who don't know God? How do they perceive us? Honor comes from God. And see, I believe that Daniel recognized this because he knew, first of all, how to honor his God. That was clear to him. And because of this, he knew how to honor people as well. Honor has a lot to do with respect. And we know that respect is not demanded, right? If you demand respect, that's not respect, that's fear. That's fear. But respect is earned over time. Daniel respected this person. Yes, he was a servant. He wasn't the king. But he showed respect for him. And he said, you could even sense that there was a bit of concern there. Because he said, give us 10 days. It's still going to be your decision in the end. But, you know, give us, give us time. Test us and see what becomes of it. It's important for us to honor people. Because when we honor people, honor begets honor. Right? If you honor somebody, they may not like you right now, but later on, if you honor them and love them and show kindness to them enough, in time, more often than not, their demeanor, their attitude, their heart towards you begins to shift and change. This happens. And this is what we see here. Respecting people opens doors. And we honor them, their position, who they are as an individual, who they are as somebody that God created also in his image and in his likeness. Yes, they may not be like us. They may not have our convictions. They may not share our faith. But when we see them the way God sees them, we're going to honor them. We're going to approach them with respect. The moment we choose to dishonor people, that door will immediately be closed. I mean, that's something that's certain. The moment we show disrespect to somebody, right away, that door is closed. If we're going to have any hope to affect change, influence in our workplace, in our family, in our nation, we got to learn to honor the people around us. Thirdly, we find Daniel and his friends being led by their convictions with clarity and courage. 
Clarity encourages what leads them. They communicate this to those. They don't just say no for the sake of saying no, but they explain why they're saying no. That's a bit annoying, right? You know, sometimes you ask somebody to do something and they say, no, I don't want to do it. And you ask them, why don't you want to do it? I just don't want to do it. Why don't you want to do it? I just don't want to do it. <laughs> and they don't want to explain to you why. And it's frustrating because it's just no. Here it's clear for Daniel, he wasn't just saying, no, I don't want to eat this food. Can you imagine if that's all he said? Why, do you want, why don't you want to eat this food? It's the best food there is. It's the same food that the king eats. I just don't want to. I just don't want to, right? I mean, it sounds, it sounds like a brat. But he was able to communicate it with clarity. And not just that, he was able to communicate it with boldness and courage. Why? Because he says, you can test us after 10 days. And he was so convinced that there was going to be good results in 10 days that he was willing to bet his life on it. Because after 10 days, if you don't like what you see, you decide, right? He gives him the power. You decide what to do. It's like what happened to his four friends. The same thing. The empire, the king said, if you don't bow down, you're going to die. And just like Daniel, they had the same conviction. They said, we're not going to bow down to this idol. Okay, what's the result? We're going to throw you in the fiery furnace. You're going to die. Okay, you've got to do what you need to do. We know that God's going to save us. But if he doesn't, we will still not bow down. Whoa, 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 whoa. That's really interesting. I mean, that sounds very defiant, doesn't it? That's defiance. Your life may be taken from you and you're still not going to give in. I mean, just come on. Just, just bend your knee. Just bow down. It's just going to take a, like a, a second. Nobody's going to know. No, but God will. He will. And he's the one that I choose to honor above all. I choose to honor God above all. And I want him to determine my choices every day. I want to be sure that the choices I make honors him whether people see me or not. See, Daniel, when he prayed, he didn't pray so that everybody would see him. It tells us in the story, he prayed as he normally did. He just did it. These friends did the same. There will be times when, yes, you will need to speak out. But whenever we voice our opinion on the side of God, we need to be sure that the character of God is always seen through that. And last time I checked, when he talked about the fruits of the Spirit, it was love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, arrogance, pride. Is that what we see? No, it doesn't. Pride and arrogance, that's not a fruit of the Spirit. Self-control is, love is, kindness is, that needs to manifest in our life. There will be times when we will need to voice out where we stand, right? Maybe not so much about individuals because we don't know what those individuals are. In a few days' time, we're going to be voting. Some of you in this room will vote for some people I will not vote for. 
And that's okay. Because we believe that the Holy Spirit is speaking to each one of us. You need to be led by the Holy Spirit to determine who God is leading you to vote for. Based on your convictions founded on the Word of God. Do they stand for righteousness, justice? Do they reflect God's heart? Can they govern the way that God is expecting them to govern? And we need to exercise that voice and let that come out. Daniel probably didn't know that he would end up serving for kings. For all he knew, because he expressed his opposition because of the food, he could be dead in 10 days. Did you know that that could have happened? In 10 days, if it didn't work out the way it did, they could be dead. He was willing to die for his convictions, to be thrown into the den of lions. But God said, you know what? I'm going to save you. The three friends were willing to be burned alive because of their convictions. But God again said, you know what? It's not yet time for you to die. At every juncture, at every point, we see God intervening and causing situations to turn around. But that only happened because these individuals were convinced of the truth and decided to stand and make a choice based on the holiness, the righteousness, the convictions that they had about who God is. How are you making choices today? For everyday situations, maybe we say that's an easy thing. But sometimes we will have to make those hard choices. You know, it's very clear in the scripture that marriage is between a man and a woman. That marriage is by those that God has blessed to be united together. If you're cohabitating, then you cannot see how that can be blessed by God because it's outside of his command. Marriage is between a husband and a wife, not between a man and a man and a woman and a woman. And that, that's very clear. That's based on what God has said. So if we're expecting blessing to come, it's not going to happen. Am I going to treat you differently? No, I want to sit down with you and, and talk and chat and try to reason together to see, you know, what God is saying about this and how you're seeking after God. There are some things that are clear that cannot be compromised. There are some areas that may be a little bit gray. Who am I going to vote for? Who are you going to vote for? But I believe in every situation, whatever we face, the Holy Spirit is present to guide us. The Word of God is there to help us clarify our way through. And when we honor God, and the choices that we make. You know what God does? He will honor us. Sometimes He will elevate us, and sometimes He will allow us to go through difficulties so that His glory can be seen. Whether we're elevated, it's always a posture of humility. Or whether we're going through difficulties, it's the same. Daniel honored God when he wasn't getting persecuted. But when he was about to be killed, he continued to honor God because it's one and the same. And he is able to do that. Why? Because his convictions were clear. Honoring God, people, communicating with clarity and courage can affect change 
where we are. Our convictions help us make choices with clarity and courage. Where are your convictions anchored in today? What is helping you determine how to be a husband or a wife? How to become a parent to your children? How to serve your company as an employee? What is your basis? What are your convictions? What's your convictions about how you spend your money? How you spend your time? The entertainment choices that you make in everyday life? Unless your convictions are based on the truth of Jesus Christ, His Word, His command, His instruction, you may find it difficult to make those choices each day. And I want to encourage you today, if you haven't decided yet, choose to make Jesus your foundation. Would you pray? Let's stand together right now. And as we come to the Lord, let's ask Him for His help. Because it doesn't matter if you're the only one. That's there. That's different. If you are standing on the foundation of the truth, that is Jesus Christ. He himself will give you the strength. He himself will give you the wisdom. He will give you the words to say. He will put his spirit on you so that you can fulfill what needs to be done when it needs to be done. There was a man by the name of David Livingston who felt in the 19th century that God was calling him to South Africa. South Africa right now, parts of it, especially Cape Town, is a developed city, is a global city. But when David Livingston went there, it was nothing like that at all. There was nothing there. But he knew that God called him to bring the word. He was a doctor by profession. So he treated those who were sick there with medicine. He shared the gospel of Jesus to them. A tragedy happened in his family. His child died while he was there, followed shortly by his wife until he was the only one. And in his memoirs, he was starting to doubt God. He was saying, did God really call me here? Because there's not a single soul that's come to faith in Jesus. Instead of a good news, my family has instead died. Until finally, David Livingston himself would die on the South African soil and would be buried there without him ever seeing a single soul come to Jesus Christ. And you know the amazing thing? After his death, it was there that the one who was serving him throughout that entire time chose to put his faith in Christ. And through this individual, he would begin to evangelize others in his village and beyond that would cause many to come to faith in Christ. Years later, more missionaries would come. More African Christians would put their faith in Jesus Christ, causing the nation of South Africa to become a predominantly Christian nation. None of us can see all the way into the future about how God can and work and will work through us. I know for sure that Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah as young people 
They saw themselves as slaves. But despite the fact that they were slaves under captivity, they saw their God was greater. And they said, we will not compromise. We will not give in to this oppressive culture, empire, that will try to force us to submit to its ways if it will cause us to compromise and sin against our God. And as they chose to honor God at their young age, they would see God use them from season to season, one king after another king. All of these kings would pass away, but they would see God use them, elevate them to positions of influence, to affect the destiny of these nations. I believe God can and is still doing that today. God can and will use you and me in this room to affect your family, your community, your workplace, and yes, even the destiny of the Philippines if we would choose to continue to honor Him. What choices do you need to make for His glory, for His righteousness, and for His holiness? Let's pray today that He will strengthen us. Heavenly Father, we're grateful that when we come to You, You are present. When we pray to You, You hear us and You answer. Heavenly Father, we're thankful that when we face challenges in life every day, we don't face it alone. In fact, you have given us your spirit to strengthen us, to empower us, so that we would know the right choices to make. Some of these choices may seem trivial, but they may also be a trap from the devil. And so we ask, Lord God, that you help us to be discerning. Some choices, Lord God, we make may cause us to lose friendships and relationships. Father, help us to do all that we can to preserve those relationships. But when we cannot, Lord, help us to let go, but not let go of you. To keep our anchor steady on you, to keep our faith anchored in you. Relationships, people come and go. But your presence, your love, your grace, your mercy, for us remains the same and we know that you would be the one to move in us the reason why we're still here Lord God is because you were not yet done with us you were still wanting to use us to affect change wherever you bring us so help us Lord God to be that soul to be that light in our homes in our workplace in our schools yes even in our nation in this season Fathers, we prepare to vote, Lord God, in a few days for peoples to lead us in the halls of government. Our faith, Lord God, is in you. Amen. They can only lead us so far. And we know whenever leaders of nations step away from righteousness, holiness, and your will for them, there's a ripple effect. And so we ask, Lord God, that you grant us righteous leaders. Amen. That you help us, Lord God, install from the barangay all the way to the national offices, people who will fulfill your purposes, who would govern with justice, who would implement, Lord God, the rule of law, that your name may be glorified over this nation. 
Would you guide us? Would you lead us, Lord Jesus, today, we pray. There may be some of you right now listening here in this room or online, and you're saying, you know, that, that's what I want. I want God to lead me every day. I don't want to be always following what my friends tell me to do, what people who don't love Jesus want me to do. I want the strength and the boldness and the clarity to stand on the convictions, my own convictions in Jesus. We pray that you are encouraged by this message. For more information about ICS Church, please visit us online at ics.church or like us on facebook.com slash ICS Church.